Hi, this is Chelsea Vale. You have found the Whole Heart Podcast, a podcast for conscious parents who want to do things differently. Parenting the Whole Heart way is about love, connection, play, and raising our children naturally. It can get, at times, a little bit crunchy. Let's jump in. I'm very excited about this next season for you guys. We're about to jump into the toddler years and then the preschool years. The toddler years, unfortunately, have a little bit of a bad rap, especially in the U.S. I once saw a sign for a parenting workshop that said, come and learn with us about the terrible twos, treacherous threes, and frantic fours. And I've never been able to get that poster out of my head because I remember looking at it and thinking, oh my goodness, you're basically sending the message to parents that you've got three years of absolute hell to get through as a parent before things are good. And the way that we view our children will influence the relationship that we have with our child, but also the way that we interact with them. Um, You know, if I were to look at my child as a problem um, or something that I need to get through, then I'm not going to be really interacting with them in a positive way. And unfortunately, kids pick up on that. They feel when they're not loved or when they're just being put up with. And, um, you know, they feel the stress. They feel the anxiety. They internalize that. When they think that they're being naughty or when they're punished, then they will act out. They will act naughty. Um, And it's really important that we change the way that we view our children and more importantly, change the way that we view our role as parents as well as negative behavior. One of the most important things that I feel that I've learned about working with young children is to look at behavior with excitement, the most negative behavior, be excited about it. And I know that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but if you think about your child, a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a four-year-old, and when they act out, you think, oh goodness, this is fantastic. This is an opportunity for me to teach them about kindness to others. This is an opportunity for me to teach them about patience. Oh, I've been waiting for the opportunity to teach them about cleanliness and hygiene. Negative behavior, poor habits, all of that happening when they're in the home and when they're young are opportunities for making your child better and for teaching them to be a positive person as they get older. If we didn't have these opportunities, well, then we have 18, 19, 20-year-olds who are, you know, problem people, problem citizens. But we have the pleasure of assisting our children through their development as parents. And that's an honor. I also want to let you know that thinking that you're supposed to teach your children everything or if they listen to you, they'll be okay Um, I caution you against that because children do not learn as much from being taught what to do or being told what to do as much as they learn from watching what to do, seeing what to do. Who you are as a person and how you model living as a person and living as a part of a community, as a part of a family, and as a citizen of the world is how your child is going to also be as they get a little bit older. What you say is not nearly as important as what you do. So a lot of parents get really, um, you know, frazzled. I've told him a million times to clean his room. I tell him every single day, clean your room, clean your room. I've tried sticker charts. I've tried spanking. I've tried yelling. I've tried, I'll take you for ice cream if you clean your room. And they're so flustered. And I want to go, is your room clean? How clean is your house? How clean is your car? 
if you're not modeling for children the value of taking care of your things and the value of taking care of your space and being organized, if you're not thinking out loud or sorry, talking out loud about those things, um, then how are they going to learn? So when I'm cleaning sometimes, and I've done this from the time they were very little, I clean and I say, I just love cleaning. It feels so good to have a sparkly clean space. Or as I'm organizing, oh, I'm so glad that I made a drawer for the paints. Now I'll know exactly where the paints are. And I say these things out loud because I know that my children are listening and watching and learning. And then I see it happen to them. When I say, hey, could you go get a pair of pajamas? My son will get excited. I know exactly where pajama pants are. They're in that drawer in my room on the top. Yes, they are, son. Go get them. And then when he has something special... Mom, where do I put this? Well, put it somewhere special where you're no, you'll know where it is and you can find it every time. And then they end up creating a little folder or a little box or something to put their own things in. And then I'm not nagging them, put it away, put it away, clean it up. I'll give you a sticker if you do that. Because what's happening is an intrinsic reward. When they can easily find something, it's because of something that they did, an action that they took. And they learned that from modeling. Same thing when we enter their school. From the very moment when they were little, I would say, it feels good to say good morning to others. I love when someone says good morning to me and says my name. I share that with them because I want them as they get older to recognize that it does feel good to be responded to and respected. And they didn't do it when they were 18 months, but at two, suddenly it just kind of happened. They would walk into the school and they would look in somebody's eyes and say, good morning, Miss Rebecca. Good morning, Miss Anna. And they would share about their day and they would say, how was your day? Because I've modeled that for them. When we're out in public, they wave to people. They say, please. They say, thank you. No sticker charts were needed, no nagging, no reminding. It was simply who I am as a person, modeling that for them, and then they do it as well. So that is one of the most important things. It's not what you say that matters, but it is what you do. And I've never viewed my children as problems or something to be dealt with or something to be changed. It is important that we accept our children as is and accept the world as isn't. And what I mean by that is I'm looking at my children and there are things about them that have, you know, shocked me. Gosh, I never thought that you would be that sensitive or I never thought you would be this rough, but I accept them for who they are. I accept that you're wild. I accept that you love to be messy and I'm happy to provide opportunities for you to be messy. I accept that you're very sensitive sometimes and I'm going to be sensitive to that to help you through it. Um, what I can't change is the way that the world operates. I can't change if we're late getting somewhere because of traffic. I don't have any say-so in what the waiter says to my child that may or may not have hurt his feelings, etc. We can't allow the world to fluster us as parents and impact our choices with the way that we interact with our children. I don't care if another mom is upset because I didn't punish my child for hitting her child. He yelled at him. My child was in defense. I'm not going to change that, okay? So basically what I'm saying is accept our children as they came to us. Don't try to change the world around us. That's when you'll get flustered and lose patience and probably take it out on your children because there are so many factors in our world and in our culture that we just can't change. What we can work with is who we are, and who our children are. And this takes a lot of self-work. This takes a lot of self-reflectiveness and a lot of um, introspection to decide the type of person I want to be, the type of person I hope my child is, and how can I help them reach their 
full potential. They came to us already who they are with beautiful gifts to give to the world. And it is our job not to change them or to redirect things or parent something out of them, but to guide them toward reaching their fullest potential and giving their gift to the world and providing rich, beautiful experiences for them to develop those gifts even further. So accept them as is and accept the world for what it isn't, right? Um, the, the beauty of, of letting go is not lost on parenting. It's also important to recognize that um, being human is an honest evolution. We are constantly changing who we are as people. So who your child is today who is yelling and screaming and acting out and all of that might not necessarily be who they are tomorrow. A lot of times negative behavior can be something that is associated with being thirsty, hungry, lonely, or angry. And angry is a secondary emotion. There's typically something behind anger. If we can chase the why and find out why are they angry, a lot of times we can get to the root of the problem and make a difference. If they're lonely, they can be lonely in a room full of people. Lonely might mean that they need physical affection. Lonely might mean that they need an important job to do. Or lonely might just be, I need to feel noticed. I want my name to be said. And I want to know that someone is watching me play, observing me play, looking at what I'm trying to show to the world. Sometimes when kids act out, they're just pushing the boundaries. In fact, in Denmark, um, the Danish phrase for toddlerhood translates not into terrible twos or treacherous threes or even frantic fours, but they simply call it the boundary pushing age because they have understood that toddlers are meant to push boundaries. They don't do it to be bad. They don't do it to be naughty. They don't do it always to get a rise out of you. They do it to see what will happen if I do this, to test the security, to test this person says they love me no matter what. Will they love me if I spit my food? Will they love me if I hit a friend? Will they love me if I don't share my toy? How far does this love go? Am I lovable even when I don't clean my room? It's their natural want to see how far does this love go? Or what will happen if I do this? You're telling me this is bad, but what's the consequence? So it's important for us to allow consequences to happen. Kids are told, put on your shoes. But then they think, what will happen if I don't put on my shoes? It's not because they're naughty. In fact, my son hates to wear shoes. I don't make him wear shoes unless he could get hurt. A lot of the times, I even allow him to get hurt. For example, if we're walking into a store and I know the black asphalt is hot, I will say, this is a place where shoes are wise. And he'll say, no shoes. And I'll say, that's your choice. Let me know if you change your mind. And I'll pick him up put him on the hot asphalt. He screams, my feet, my feet, ow, mommy, my feet. Oh goodness. Do you want shoes? Would it feel better if you had shoes protecting your feet? Oh yes, mama, please. Wonderful. I'll help you get them on. And that's done with love and empathy and understanding rather than forcing his little fat foot into a pair of shoes that he doesn't want while he's kicking and screaming. Because what that does is damages the relationship between the parent and the child. And now he's wearing shoes, but he doesn't know why, and he's angry, and he knows I have forced him to do something, and he feels like that he has no control, and he is fuming. 
So now, what are the chances of getting into the store and having a positive shopping experience? I'm going to go with slim to none. I have just changed the entire mood of our errand running because I have forced him to do something. Toddlers want independence. The average toddler hears the word no 75% of the day. Let's scratch no out of our vocabulary entirely. Instead, let's let them experience natural, logical consequences of their choices. Let's provide choices to them where choices are available. For example, if you're making a lunch. Today, would you like a yogurt or a cheese stick? Would you like an apple or blueberries? Would you like pizza or pasta? These are choices we can give our kids. It's time for your bath. Would you like to step in on your own or would you like me to place you in the bath? It's time for a book. Would you like to hear this story or this story today? It's time to go to bed. Would you like to walk up the stairs by yourself or would you like to be carried? By giving choices where choices are appropriate, we are giving our child a sense of control and an opportunity to make decisions. And then when you let them know this is not a time where you get to make a choice, they're more likely to comply because they love you, they respect you, and you've been working as a team through a lot of other decisions. Also remember that every day is going to be very different. And as parents, when we practice patience and empathy and understanding and respond to our child's needs to have control, um, we're modeling that for them and we're giving them an opportunity to practice resilience and bounce back. Yesterday, my son was having a hard day. He was acting out over and over and over again. And I was simply saying, today's a rough day for you, and I would walk away. Today's a hard day. I'm going to put you in a room to cool off. And doing things like that, I was very calm. And at one point, he said, I'm so angry, I'm not even going to eat dinner with you. And I said, that's okay. I understand that. I know that you're angry. I'd love to see you if you change your mind. And I went to the kitchen and I cooked and he screamed and he yelled and he threw toys and I just kept cooking. And I trusted that he had the ability to cope and to calm and to bounce back because I have modeled that for him from the very beginning. And sure enough, he comes walking down the stairs and he said, I'm sorry I got mad. I said, it's okay, baby, I love you so much. I get mad too sometimes. And he said, yeah. And I said, would you like some love now? And he said, yes. And he put his arms up and I picked him up and I loved him and held him and kissed him. And I said, I love so much when you're sweet, but I also understand when you're mad. Are you ready for food? Yes. And I put a plate in front of him and he sat down and he ate and we had a wonderful evening. It could have been very different had I put him in timeout, had I yelled at him, had I punished him, had I told him how he was coping with his anger was wrong. He threw a bunch of toys but he wasn't hurting anyone. He wasn't hurting himself. He wasn't hurting the home. He wasn't hurting anyone. And I've been so mad before that I just wanted to throw things and I have, and it felt good. And it fixed what was happening inside. If he were to hurt his brother or something like that, I would have intervened and let him know a more appropriate way to deal with his anger. And we'll jump into some limit setting and things like that further down the road. But right now, this episode is really just about understanding who our children are and what they need from us. And the most important thing they need from us is love and patience and understanding that things are hard. And they need us to be a thermostat not a thermometer. A thermometer rises with the temperature of the room, but a thermostat monitors the temperature of the room. When my children are extremely angry or upset or sad or flustered, I try to be incredibly calm. I try to provide equanimity in all instances. If they're really sad, 
I try to pick up the happiness just a little bit to bring them that way. I'm kind of the gauge for the energy for my children. And that's what you are as a parent. You are helping them to find a balance. Allow them to feel their feelings. Feelings are not bad. One of the best things that we can do for our children is validate their feelings and name their energy. Name it to tame it. I'm sorry, not name their energy. Name their emotion. Name it to tame it. When I tell a child, you're feeling sad, they feel validated, and now they're open to, yes, I am feeling sad. Do you have some suggestions on how to not feel sad? Or you're feeling frustrated. I wonder what it would feel like if you did such and such. When I name the emotion, they feel validated and understood, and now they're connected. And when you connect with a child, you're letting them know now there's an opportunity to correct it, okay? Connect before correct. Connection before correction. When I am trying to fix a child's behavior and they don't feel understood, they don't feel seen, they don't feel heard, oftentimes it can escalate a behavior, right? Um, Another phrase that that I like to use is um, engage before you enrage. So by letting a child know, I understand you, I hear you, I see you, I care, and connecting with them on a real um, base level, you're giving an opportunity for them to listen to you and learn from you. And that's very valuable. We've got to tap into our child's emotional self before we can ever reach the mental, um, spiritual self and the logical self. Children live very much in their reptilian brain, that fight, flight, or freeze part of the brain, um, which they function on that most of the time. They can't quite get into their higher level brain, their upstairs brain, until all of their needs are met, which is why when they act out, it's usually anger, lonely, thirst, or hunger. Those are very primitive, base, primal emotions. When all of those things are settled and calm and they feel validated and not... Um, they know that you're not a threat because you've validated the feelings, you've empathized with them, you're holding them, and now you're on their level. Then we can take them up into the upstairs brain and do some higher level thinking and organizing of those emotions. But if you try to jump a step, if you try to, you know, maybe while they're having a temper tantrum, say, calm down. Okay, let's, let's think about this. What should you have done differently? You're not going to get there because they're freaking out right now. They're in their reptilian brain. You've got to get them calm, stable baseline and then enter the upstairs brain before you can organize those intense emotions for them. One of the um, educational philosophies that I absolutely love and adore is uh, the Waldorf educational philosophy. And this um, education system was designed by Rudolf Steiner, who um, designed this after World War One. He was a wonderful philosopher, and I love reading all of Rudolf Steiner's works. But he describes the first seven years, actually all, all of um, child development, he describes in head, heart, and hands. But the first seven years are very much children living in the hands realm. And what that means is that everything in, in their life, they're very much doing. They're doers. They're action takers. So we see a physical... Um, example of what they're experiencing. And that's when it's the hitting, the biting, the breaking, the running, all of that. They're very active and it's all gross motor sort of related. And it doesn't mean that they're naughty. Again, recognize that humans are going through an honest evolution of change. We're not going to get into the heart realm, the emotional self until the seven to 14 years, until adolescence. And they don't really get into very logical 
empathic, um, higher level thinking until much later, till 14 to 21. And in fact, the brain isn't even fully developed until 25. So if we can be very patient with the process and trust that right now it is normal to act out physically. Now we do need to channel it and redirect it to what is positive. So if you have a biter, people are not for biting, but perhaps you'd like to bite this egg carton. Perhaps you'd like to tear paper with your hands. Perhaps you'd like to sand some wood. If you notice that your child is a very physical um, person when they're upset, people are not for hitting, but perhaps you'd like to punch a pillow. You may punch the boppy or you may squeeze this ball whatever it is try to figure out how can I help my child behave more appropriately in the hands realm it's also important that we're giving our children lots and lots of opportunities to use their hands in meaningful ways and that's going to develop the feeling realm the heart realm and also part of the brain realm the mental realm the head up there because when you're giving your children opportunities for painting, building, sculpting, Play-Doh, beeswax crayons, all of those types of things, climbing trees, running outside, that feels good to them because they're living in that doing realm. And because that feels good, we've now touched on the heart realm. And because those things are now centered, we can get into a little bit of higher level thinking. It's a process. But knowing that children are not just physical beings, but they're also spiritual beings and mental beings and looking at them as beautiful, developing, small humans rather than infants um, who need to be changed. um, We're able to interact with them in a much more patient way. We can be patient with the process, excited about negative behavior because it's an opportunity for learning and tap into Um, deeper parts of ourselves that might be influencing our parenting styles. Why can't I be calm? What is it about me that's being triggered by my child's misbehavior? What is it about what's happening in the world that is causing me to be angry with my child? That's all conscious parenting, being aware of who we are and how who we are in the world we live in influences our behavior with our children, helps us to interact with our children in a much more positive and effective way. I know this um, episode has really been a lot of information to get into. I get so passionate with um, teaching people how to understand young children and how to look at them. And we're definitely going to get into this, um, the really nitty gritty of child development. But in the next episode, I'm going to be sharing um, more things that you can be doing to manage your child's behavior in a very positive way some um, tips and tricks very easy to apply in the home and on a day-to-day basis that encourage healthy development mentally physically spiritually and how to connect with your child on a very real level because when we're connected with our child when the relationship is at the core and we're empathizing with them 
the negative behaviors kind of drop away and our patience as a parent increases um, because we're, we're enjoying being a parent so much more and we're loving our children in a very real way and understanding one another and it's just really beautiful and I'm excited to be getting into some more of these topics. So if you've not already subscribed, please do so. We're just about to get into some really, really, really good stuff. I'd love to hear from you as well. So if you'll give me a five-star review on Apple Podcast and um, give me a comment, what you like, what you don't like, feel free to shoot me an email, chelsea at joinwholeheart.com and let me know what you'd like to learn more about. I'm happy to answer your questions um, on an episode or perhaps even take an interview with you if you have a very specific need that you'd like addressed with your actual child. But um, please subscribe to the Whole Heart Podcast. Thank you again for listening. Be well.